me to, to Psalm 17, the 17th Psalm. You know, we got all these teenagers over here, and I don't know about you, it blesses me to see teenagers excited about God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we, we applaud when they're excited about the world, but how much more should we applaud when they're excited about God? Amen. I don't know about you, but I wasted a lot of years of my life. I remember there was a, a story one time about some people in the church that got born again. And they asked the pastor, they said, how many do you have born again? He said, 20 and a half. And they said, 20 adults and a, and a child. And he said, no, 20 children and an adult because that adult's half his life's already over. And I, that's me. I used up a lot of my years of my life. I welcome you here today. Uh, if you're here the last few weeks, we started to fast the first part of January, and we went on a church-wide fast, and that meant, you know, fasting really food, but also things. Man, we've seen some great breakthroughs, but last week we started a new series as far as we're going to fast our words, and that doesn't mean that you're going to abstain from speaking. You who are an I personality love to talk, that would be cruel and unusual punishment for you. And some of you would say, amen, that'd be wonderful. But what I'm talking about is we become very cautious, very deliberate of what we do say or we don't say. And I believe the scriptures bear witness to that as far as there's power and there's authority in your words. Remember our main text last week was Proverbs 18:21: Death and life are in the power of the tongue or death and life was in the power of your tongue. And so we're going to go on that a little bit further here. I believe King David understood that. In Psalm 17, verse 1. Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You have tested or proved my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. Now get this. I, King David, said, I have purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. I have purpose that my mouth will not sin. David understood the power of his words. He understood that when he speaks things out of his mouth, I can't take them back. They are seeds that begin to, to have a harvest that will follow them. Turn a page or two to Psalm 19, the 19th Psalm. Look what David says here, Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Now, if you'll note there the two things that he said, number one, he said, let the, the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Now, this goes back to last week, and I'm going to reference just real quickly. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. Remember last week that in Romans 10, actually verses 8 through 10, but specifically in verse 9, it says, The word of God is near you in your mouth and your heart. David understood the significance of the words that was in his mouth and his heart. And he goes on to say, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's important that I, I really feel every day in our lives, we ought to voice out of our mouth who God is to us. David right here declares, he's my Lord. He's my strength. He's my redeemer. 
Every day, whether it's good days, bad days, sad days, mad days, whatever, that He's my Lord. He's my, and it's important for every one of us to begin to speak those things out of our mouth. Reveal out of my heart that flows through my mouth who God is. Now, we must press toward the mark of that, but I can't do it on my own. And what do I mean by that? You can't leave God out of the equation. God's going to have to help us to get past the things that we say or don't say. Now, go back into the New Testament, way back to the back, right after Hebrews, to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. As you're turning there, there was a doctor who began to have incredible success with his patients. Just incredible. And so all the rest of the medical field wanted to know, what is he doing right to have this success? So they had him be the keynote speaker at one of their conferences, and he got up and he said, three times a day at a minimum, I tell every one of my patients, you begin to say out of your mouth, my body is recovering. I'm getting stronger. I am feeling better. And he said, I tell them that over and over. Three times a day, begin to say that. And he said, I told their family members, when they come into their room, you begin to say that with them. Get into an agreement. Well, all the rest of the doctors looked at him like, that's the answer? But you know what that, uh, that, that doctor understood? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. He understood that when we begin to voice. Now, this is going to help us right here. James 3. I believe this will get in your heart today and this is going to stir you up for a good thing. James 3 verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment a higher standard or a greater severity. Why? Because the things that you say influence people. I don't care if you're a teacher, a coach, if you are helping people understand things, even in the ministry. Now, one of my pet peeves in my own life, guys, I will not speak on things that I don't do. In other words, I'm not going to tell you to be doing something that I'm not doing myself. And so if you're wanting to be a teacher, you better look at these guidelines, okay? Because the day will come where you'll stand before Father God. And he'll say, yep, you know why this is so big to God? Because you can lead people astray or you can help them stay on target in life. James 2. James 3 verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. The Amplified says we stumble we fall and we offend in many things. Who does? Every one of us have. So he goes on to say, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now that word perfect there means complete. It means soundness. And, and when it is applied to a believer, it means maturely. So what did he tell me right there? If I can ever learn not to stumble in my words, it's going to reveal that I've become a mature man. You know what I believe James is trying to tell us right here? You better get a hold of the words you speak out of your mouth. But he didn't end with that thought. He ends with this. And he will also be able to bridle the whole body. You know what that tells me? That your mouth is the control center of the rest of your body. I said this last week, those who say they can and those who say they can't, they're both right. 
You go around and start saying all the things you can do, it'll happen. You want to learn to be stumble-proof? Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Now, in the rest of this chapter, uh, verses 3 through 12, James begins to give us a fact sheet concerning our tongue. And what you're going to see here, that the tongue is disproportionately powerful compared to the rest of your body. And he gives us three analogies you're going to see. Now, I'm going to tell you about them real quick before we get into them. The first one is referred to a, a bit in a horse's mouth. The second one is a rudder to a ship. And the third one is a spark to a forest fire. He's going to give us these analogies and every one of them about our tongue. Begin with me in verse 3, James 3, 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. Now, a bit is just a little piece of metal. But that bit in a horse's mouth was designed to put pressure on the tongue. And so that pressure on the tongue would dictate to a horse what he was supposed to do or what he was not supposed to do. Look what he goes ahead and says about here. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us. Now, think about that. What was one of the benefits of the bit in the horse's mouth? It would bring obedience. Now, maybe you're a cowboy. Maybe you ride horses. I'm not. I mean, I, I, the only horse I like is that one at Kmart where I can pull the plug and get off real quick. I don't like horses. My grandma had some race horses and they weren't good. But think about this. One of the great commandments that every one of us will have when we ride a horse is what? Whoa. Whoa. What does whoa mean? Stop. Now, I believe he's telling us right here that when we learn to put pressure on our tongue and think of the things we say before we say them, there's a woe. Our life will be a lot more into an area of obedience. That's the first analogy. The second thing in that verse is, and we turn their whole body. So the bit in the horse's mouth was to give the horse direction on which way we wanted to go or not to go. Now, if you don't like the direction that your life is going right now, you better watch what you're saying of your, out of your mouth. If you want to change the direction, become aware of the words that are coming out of your mouth. I don't care what age you are. Now, listen, guys, this is some of the, the areas of my life that I cut my teeth on as a young believer 30 years ago. I begin to have this drilled in me over and over. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You've got to begin to speak the word out of your mouth. I'm not here to entertain you guys. We're not here to put on a pageant. And the Lord has spoke to my heart again and again and said, you've got to go back and teach people the principles of the word of God. And this is one of the principles. Remember last week, as far as the word of God, according to Romans 8, or 9, 10, 8 through 10, is I've got to speak the word. I've got to get the word of God. This is what he's talking about here. Begin to find scriptures that pertain to your life and speak it out. Verse 4. Look also at ships, although they are so large. Now, how many have ever been on a cruise? Maybe you have or you haven't. I've never been on a cruise ship. I've been real close to them. Those cruise ships can be literally 
city blocks long. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 stories high. They can accommodate thousands of people. Actually, sometimes a cruise ship is referenced to as a, as a floating city. They'll have malls in there. They'll have ice skating rinks. They'll have bowling alleys. What am I telling you that for? The size of a ship is massive. This is what he's getting to the point here. And he says, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. And you know what the winds try to do? They try to determine the ship's course or direction. The winds do. The destiny. Now, every one of us in here, there's a parable, and I wish I'd have wrote this down, but it talks about two different types of people, the one that built their house on a rock and the one that built their house on the sand. In both categories, you'll find out if you read that, the storms of life came. It said when the winds blew and the rains came and the winds fell. You know what those are? Those are called storms of life. And when the storms of life start coming at you, just like the storms try to change the direction of a ship, look what happens here in verse 4. They are turned by a very small rudder. Now the rudder in, in comparison or proportion to the ship is tiny. But that little bitty thing called the rudder it still determines the direction of the ship. You know what the rudder of your life is? That thing right there called the tongue. Now look what he ends with in, in James verse 4. Wherever the pilot desires. So even though there's this big ship, and the ship goes where the, the rudder's told to go, but the rudder only goes where the pilot tells it to go. You know what that is? The same for me and you? My body, my life, only goes in the direction of my tongue, but who controls the tongue? Me and you do. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so when I look at the thing called the rudder, the rudder can either benefit me or it can hurt me. In the storms of the life, the rudder, my tongue, can keep me right on direction or the path I need to go. Or if I get over in the storms of life and begin to yak and say things I couldn't, it can ultimately capsize me. Now you begin to see right here where James is going with this. What I say today is going to embrace my tomorrow. James is trying to tell me and you the destiny of our life is many times reflected by the words out of my mouth. Now, he doesn't end there. Verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. Just a little fire kindles. Now, the last few years when we've been in this drought, think about this. How many times have you watched the news and seen where it said, this fire burned 100,000 acres. This fire burned 50,000 acres. Do you know how every one of those fires started? With just a little spark. Just a little spark. Now remember, James here is trying to give us an analogy of what just this little thing called the tongue can do. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. 
It's a world of wickedness is what he's talking about. Keep reading. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles or contaminates the whole body. What did he just say? Let's just put this in perspective here. He said this little thing called the tongue has the capabilities of defiling the whole body. Contaminating the whole body. Now it doesn't have to. Now what would that mean? Well, many times the very words that we speak out of our mouth, our body's going to line up. Even in the area that, that when stuff begins to happen in the outside, just say sickness. How many have heard lately, man, it's the flu, it's bad, it's the Hong Kong flu. We're all going to get it. I'm going to tell you guys, when you begin to say that, you better get ready because what you've done with your words, you've invited that. So, pastor, what would, you, would we say instead? Well, I like to conf confess the word of God. I like to say in this area what God would say. Well, what would God say? Well, in 1 Peter 2, 24, he says that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been made whole. He said in, in Matthew, 53, or Matthew 8, 17, he said in Isaiah 53, 5, the very same things. Actually, when you read in, in Psalms 91 or 2, it said that a thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near my dwelling. I'm not going to receive that. And you know what? If you come up to me and say, Pastor, you look like you're catching the flu. Don't be upset when I look at you and say, uh-uh. No, pastor walks in divine health. No sickness or disease comes to my dwelling. You know why? And it's not because I'm pulling off this shirt and I got an S on my chest. It's because I'm going to agree with the word of God. I'm going to speak healing over my life. And right here, he tells us here that my words have the capability of defiling my whole body. Look what he goes on to say. And sets on fire the course of nature. Now, what would be the course of nature, guys? The course of my life. When you begin to speak things, guys, over your life, it sets things into motion. Now, when he talks about a fire or the spark, maybe just a little word. Maybe just an idle word. But that word right there has the capabilities of creating massive destruction, massive ruin. And when you read about a forest fire... After it's wiped out this whole forest, they said it takes 11 years for that forest to be restored. 11 years. Now, let me ask you right now. Are your words defiling your body? Are your words getting you off the course of life for what Father God has? I believe if we're not careful, this is the things that he wants to get to. Our whole body. Keep reading. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea and has been tamed has been tamed by mankind. That's true. How many of you ever been to a circus and seen the, the, the elephants obey? See the lions and the monkeys doing what they... How many of you ever been to SeaWorld and seeing the dolphins do things? Even those big sharks, they teach them to do things. And so this is the analogy he's given. But look what he says in verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. It's restless and it's undisciplined. So what does that mean? Well, there's good news and bad news. The bad news first. The tongue is untamable by mankind. But it is divinely tameable with God. 
that when I begin to get my words in line with the word of God, something begins to happen. Even in every one of our lives, I've got to learn to speak the word of God. If you'll remember last week, guys, I gave you illustrations of my own life. That I struggled, struggled, struggled as a teenager with alcohol. I mean, bad. But I begin to get my tongue in line with the word of God. I'm going to quote this for some of you again. Colossians 1, 12, and 13. Verse 13 says that he has delivered me out of the power of darkness. I don't care what you're being dominated with right now. If you'll begin to receive and speak that word out of your... I thank you, Father God. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I've been delivered from alcohol. Did it happen the first night? No, it didn't. But I kept speaking the word. And I kept speaking the word. And I kept speaking, guys. And still, there's life in the word of God. What you've got to do is find scripture that pertains to your life. Remember, I said this, that in my life I had issues with sleepwalking. I mean, guys, it, it was demonic, some of the stuff I do in sleepwalking. And I'm going to share one story with you real quick. I remember one night, and a lot of times, I wouldn't understand the things that I did until the next morning. And I'd get up, and Shelly would say, did you, do you remember what you did to me last night? I'd look, and I'd say, what are you talking about? I didn't have a clue. One night, guys, we're in our kitchen, and I wake up, and she is screaming at me, and I got a knife in my hand. And when I saw that, I'm telling you, it freaked me out. I didn't know what I was doing in my sleep. And so I begin to say, you know what, Father God, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of yours. And you came to give me life in that more abundantly. That's John 10, 10. It's a good one to write down. And I said, okay, Father God, I believe if, if I'm going to have life more abundantly, it ought to even be in the area of my sleep. So I begin to find what God said about my sleep. Psalm 127, 2. Psalm 4 and 8. Uh, Proverbs 3, 24. Ecclesiastes 5.11. Every one of these are very similar. And they say, he gives his beloved sweet sleep. What would you do, Pastor? I started speaking that over my life. I thank you, Father God. Woo, when I lie down, my sleep will be sweet and peaceful. And it happened overnight. No, it didn't. But you know what? There in Isaiah it says, the word of God shall not return void. I kept speaking it and I kept speaking it. And you know, this 52-year-old man, I still speak it. When I get in bed at night, I say, oh, Father God, I thank you. I slip. And so once again, what did I do? I've started agreeing with the Word of God. That's the same for every one of us, guys. You've got to start agreeing with the Word. Now let's keep reading here what he says, verse 9. With it, with the tongue, we bless our God and our Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Now listen to this. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. What? I shouldn't out of one side of my mouth speak blessing and the other side speak cursing. See, it's very easy to come in here on Sunday mornings and speak blessing, but what am I speaking throughout the week? This is what he's talking, and I think he's wanting to show us the contrasting uh, uh, parts here. Verse 10. 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine, bear figs? No. 
Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So he's telling us here, it's either going to be one way or the other. That's Proverbs 18, 21. Death or life is in the power of my tongue. Now you know what I'm doing all day long? I'm either speaking blessing or I'm speaking cursing. Every one of us. So I've got things that I'm just show, sowing seed out of my mouth all day. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now this is going to help you here, guys. Hang in here with me. Let, let this get in your heart today. I don't care how old you are. Be honest with you guys. I wish I'd learned this way back when I was a small child. The power of my words. Every one of us in here, I don't care who you are, the life that you desire, start speaking it. The marriage you desire, start speaking it. The things you desire over your children, start speaking it. Because too long in our lives, guys, over our own lives, we've cursed ourselves with our words. Over our own marriage, we've cursed our marriage with our own words. Over our children, we've cursed them because of our words. So what is this talking about when we fasten our words? I've got to be very careful what I begin to say. What I say or don't say. It's important for every one of us to learn this and to live by this. Now, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal. Now that word carnal means of the flesh or non-spiritual. As to babes in Christ. Now one side of this is real interesting to me. The other side is very fascinating. Because right here, I, I believe Paul knew that every one of them could speak. Every one of them could talk. So what was he getting to? Well, at the last there, when he says you were babes in Christ, you were babes in Christ, and so I think he was trying to tell them, your words don't line up. You don't understand how to speak. You don't understand how powerful your words are. Now think about this as, as, as a baby. If you're around babies right now, they don't know how to speak. I mean, when my kids started growing up and they would start yakking and baby talk, I didn't have a clue. I'd say to Shelly, what are they wanting? And she understood. I didn't. I'd look at her like, how did you know that? But what happens with our children? You keep teaching them. You keep teaching them. And they learn how to speak. They learn how to articulate the words they need. This is what I believe Paul was telling us here. A lot of you are still in a baby stage. You don't know how to speak. Verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. Now when I look at this. You know what I believe the Apostle Paul is trying to tell every one of us in here today? Grow up. Grow up. Don't stay a baby Christian your entire life. Begin to understand you've got to speak the word. Now, I don't know if this happened to you growing up, but this would happen to us. My dad would get me and my brother and my sister, and he'd put us against the wall, and he'd pull out the ruler. He'd stick that on the wall, and he'd mark it. And he'd put a date, January 17th, such and such. And he would mark how high you were. And then a month or two later, he'd march you back in there and he'd say, man, you've grown. 
And then a year later, it marked you back in there and we'd say, man, he's grown. But think about that analogy in our walk spiritually. That maybe you got born again a year ago. And we took the ruler out and marked you and we looked at you today and said, man, you haven't grown a bit. Now, anything that's healthy grows. And we come back five years later and we look and we think, you got born again five years. You hadn't grown a bit. Now, the sad thing is when you've been born again 20 years and you're still in the two-year-old classroom. That hurt, Pastor. That hurt. I believe right here the Lord is beginning to tell us, even through the Apostle Paul, begin to understand I can't speak in baby language. I've got to understand my, the power of my tongue, the things that I begin to release out of my mouth. And some of you today, you may say, man, I'm stuck in life. I'm stuck in life. You know what sticks us a lot of times? Is when we walk in unforgiveness, and one of the ways you release forgiveness is out of your mouth. That you begin to say, Father God, I forgive them. I forgive Ken for what he's done, Lord. The Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless them and don't curse them. How do you do that? Out of your mouth. See, many times we speak over our lives, I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a sorry daddy. I'm a sorry mama. What I've got to start doing is saying what God says. What does God say? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 8.37 says, I'm more than a conqueror. Revelations 12.11 says, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. 1 John 4.4 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So instead of me voicing all this negative stuff, all the things I can't do, I start getting in agreement with what Father God said. And Father God says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So I get my tongue in line with Ephesians 5 and I start saying, I thank you, Father God, right now. You're helping me love Shelly like Christ loved the church. All I begin to do is change my vocabulary. And I've seen this work over and over and over again in my life. Same with every one of us in here. You've got to start speaking. And even in areas of your life, you've failed. You know, the number one reason children fail is because the words that were spoken over them. And some of you are here today. And maybe you had a father that said, you're sorry. You'll never amount to nothing. Maybe you had a teacher that told you you were stupid. Maybe you had a principal. See, I'm just throwing out illustrations that maybe have happened to every one of us in this room. How many of you remember the little, the little kindergarten riddle? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know whoever said that? They lied. Words will break your heart, and words will try to paralyze you. And my point in telling you this, I don't care what's been spoken over you to this point. Today, you need to start saying, I'm going to get my mouth and my heart in line with the Word of God, and I'm going to begin to speak what Father God said over me. And I believe that's important for everyone. If you're having problems in your marriage, quit speaking divorce. We're just not compatible. We just don't have the right chemistry. Duh, who does? 
I mean, you think me and Shelly had the right chemistry? Are you kidding me? We're like night and day. Peanut butter and chocolate. We're, we're the extremes. Everything in the natural says you two shouldn't be married. But you know what happened? When we begin to speak the word of God in our lives and we begin to voice it. Stand on your feet with me. Father God, we love you today. Woo, we love you today. We honor you today here, Lord. You know, 2 Corinthians 1.